five, please. <clears throat> We've been talking about guarding our hearts and testing everything because not every thought or every feeling that we have is from God. And we have to give ourselves to what God says. Amen? Just like that song said. So we need to be a people who live in agreement in accordance with what God has said about us, how his word has described us, and the promises that we find in his word. You know, because those promises are there for when we need them. Amen? And so we need to make sure we know what they are. Um, and we've learned that all the enemy has to do is to get us to become discontent with who God is. And then once we become discontent with who God is, we become discontent with our life. His identity has changed, and immediately our identity has changed. And um, when that has happened, then we have to make God in our own image, in our own understanding. Uh, and it's not good. We begin to fit God into our circumstances rather than us fitting God into or fitting our circumstances into what God's word says. And we get all messed up when God becomes like us instead of us becoming like God. And um, if you haven't figured this out, I so much like God's image of me rather than my own image of me. Amen. And I so appreciate God's image of you than my image of you. Amen. Even though yours is getting better in my mind because I'm getting his more and more. But those are the things that we have to be aware of. I started touching on this last week and I'm, I'm going to do it this week and then we'll do it again later. Um, but. When we change who God is, his identity, and we do not see him as the creator and the designer of all things, then there's a few things that happen to us. First one is we've seen that his identity changes, our identity changes. Okay? And um, that's the first thing that happens. And when that happens... The second thing that happens is the fact that we begin to view life through our natural understanding, through our natural senses, through what our eyes can see, what our mind can understand. And we're no longer spiritual, we become natural. Okay? And the problem with that is, if you haven't figured it out, we live in a fallen world. So it's not very good. But here's the third thing that happens, and I didn't touch on this last week, I, I mentioned those two, but... Here's what else happens. We lose the fear of God for our lives when his image has changed, when his identity has changed for us. We begin to walk around because we see things in the natural, then um, we have to be the ones in control of our lives. And so we don't hold ourselves to the fear of God any longer. We don't see ourselves as accountable to him any longer. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to read some scriptures. I'll, I'll highlight some. But then I want to weave in some stuff throughout the whole thing. These three things throughout the whole thing. Okay? 
and, and we'll come to an end with it on, on fearing God. But before I read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I want us to remember and I want to remind you that we are spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. Okay? Now, when I say we're spiritual beings, it doesn't mean that I'm saying that you're born again. When we are born, when God has conceived every one of us, when we are conceived and when we're born in the flesh, whether we like it or not, we're spiritual beings. We are going to live forever. The deal is, is whether we place our faith in Jesus Christ determines where we're going to spend the rest of our life when these bodies wear out. But we are all spiritual beings, whether you're saved or unsaved. But when we, um, when we get born again, then we have a right understanding of who, of who God is. That's the beginning of that process. But even as born-again believers, we can lose the fact that we're spiritual beings. The enemy can come to us, and he can tempt us. And he can change God's image in our minds. And we can become our own gods again. That's why we have to be on guard. And so when I say that we're spiritual beings having a temporary human experience, we're all of that. We just have to decide if we're going to walk with God down here or not so we can walk with Him forever. But when the Holy Spirit, when we give ourselves to Jesus and His sacrifice, then His Spirit comes and He's in us and, and He awakens our spirit. We're born again. So as believers, we have an uh, opportunity to be more spiritually minded. To walk in all that God has for us. That brings me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 14. Now we have already looked at part of this. But we're going to expand this a little bit. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 And we urge you brothers. Admonish the idle. Encourage the faint hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with all. I, I knew y'all were going to like this verse. Isn't that awesome? I mean, what a... And remember, he's writing to the church. That's important because he's going to say something here in just a minute. I just want to make sure we understand. So he's writing to the church and he tells them, admonish the idol. So if somebody is idle, what's going to happen? They're probably going to get in trouble, Right? Encourage the faint-hearted. We're going to have things. We're going to go through things. So we're to encourage one another. Help the weak. You know, we're all going to experience those times. And then be patient with them all. Whew. All right, let's go on. Verse 15. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another. And, everybody say and. And to everyone. So he says, not just, you know, always be ready to do good. He's, he's basically saying to one another, that's the family of God, that's the church. But he says, and... To everyone, 
And that means everyone. That means whether they come to your church or not. We're not to repay evil for evil, and we're always to seek to do good. Verse 16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. And verse 23, if you can go back to that, that's what I really wanted us to see this morning is the fact that we're three-part being. We're spirit, and we're soul, and we're body. Okay? Now, most of the time when we repeat those, we repeat it as body, soul, and spirit. But correctly, we're spirit, soul, and body. Okay? That's the way God views us. And so... What Paul is doing is he's giving us instructions as to how we as the church, we as spiritual beings who are awakened unto God are supposed to walk in this fallen natural world. And Paul is teaching us here. Uh, he, he's showing us how to deal with the natural realm, having a spiritual understanding. How do we, how do we handle the natural world with God's understanding? having God's mind, having God's attitude. In other words, how do we deal with this fallen natural world and keep viewing it through spiritual eyes and not just physical eyes? I mean, we have to view them with physical eyes because we have a body. But God is calling us to see life through spiritual eyes. And Paul is telling believers how to deal with people in the natural, the physical realm. And we must have a spiritual understanding and a spiritual mindset, insight behind it. In other words, what Paul is saying is, is we need to be able to see people the way God sees people. And how does God see people? He sees people as those he has desired and therefore he created. He created them in his likeness and image and he loves them and he died for them. And he is the one who, when he created them, he brought them into this world because he wants to love them and he wants them to know his love. And this is true of every individual born, whether you're saved or unsaved. We are His creation. We come from Him. God has, in His mind, He created us and He brought us forth. And therefore, we're His and He loves us. That's how God views people. So Paul is telling the church here how we are to see 
and how we are to behave towards others. If we see people in the natural and we don't see them with spiritual eyes, then we begin to see them as objects and we begin to see them as just human beings. Another pain in the you-know-what. And we don't see them as human beings created in the likeness and image of God first. And that's why it's so important that we have God's mindset. We're paying attention to the scriptures. We understand how he loves people. Because how he loves them is how he expects us to love them. And so we have to know how God loves them. We have to know that they belong to him first and foremost. That he loves them without hesitation or reservation. That Jesus died for them just as much as he died for us. We see ourselves and others as belonging, coming from God, created by his will, not by the will of man. And when we begin to see that, here's what happens. I may not like you, but I will love you. And because I love you, you'll never know whether I like you or not. Because if I don't like you, it, that's not what counts. What counts is, is that God loves you. And if God loves you, then I'm going to love you. You hear me when I pray for people. One of the first things that I say is, Father, I thank you. And you can fill in your name for so-and-so. Thank you that they are a gift and a joy to you. And here's why I say it. Because I want his thoughts for your life. I want to view you the way he views you. And he views each and every one of us as a gift and a joy. That's why he created us. And if that is true, then that has to be my attitude as well. You may be a pain and everything else, but you're not going to know it. Because you're a gift and a joy. And if you're a gift and a joy to him, guess what? You're a gift and a joy to me. I am reminding myself when I pray that, that you, you belong to God first, that you were created in his mind. You were created in his likeness and image. And I'm going to honor that. I, I'm going to celebrate that. Because as I acknowledge that truth, then I'm hoping that you're understanding truth. You're not here by accident. You're here by design. You're here on purpose. And when I understand this truth, this reality, then whether or not I like you really doesn't matter. And whether I think God likes you or not really doesn't matter. What I know is, is he loves us both. And because he loves you and he loves me, I'm going to love you. And I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit is drawing them to himself because that's why he made us. To be in right relationship with him. But with the fall, he had to work something in, which is Jesus. And he hasn't stopped his plan or his purposes for our lives. He still wants us to be introduced to Jesus so that we can have that right relationship. 
And my job is to trust that the Holy Spirit is drawing them to himself and that in some fashion I may be a part of that drawing that God is doing through them. And, and in that drawing, recognize that it's a process just like the Lord had a process in me when he drew me to himself. And so if he was patient with me, I knew that word was going to come up again. If he was patient with me through the process, then guess what? I'll be patient with you through the process. I trust that since they are his and he is working in them to bring them to that place. To acknowledge him as God, as their creator, as their designer. That I want to do everything possible to help in that situation. And that's what having a right understanding of God does for me. Having spiritual eyes to see the way God sees. To know his word. To know that they came from God. That they're not here by the will of man. But they're here from God. And he has a plan and a purpose. I want them to experience the love of God for themselves. The love that I have experienced. A love that is beyond natural understanding. But it feels so good. And I know every human being that I encounter is made by God. Because God loves them. And God wants them to have his love in their lives. Back to 1 Thessalonians 5.14. We read it earlier, but let me read it again. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. You know, when I first read that, it's hard. And when it came to be patient with all, everybody's like, oh, you know, I really have to do that? But can I tell you? Yes. This is what Paul has called us to. And Paul's telling us, you can do this. Now, you can't do it on your own strength. You can't do it with your own understanding, with your own wisdom. You have to have God involved. If you're going to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all, all of those are processes that we're going to have to walk with people through. But he said, and be patient with them all. And I'm here to tell you, the only way that you can be patient with people is to know that they are loved by God, that they came from Him first, and that you have God's eyes, God's understanding, God's love for them. And again, whether we like this or not is a mute point. This is what we are called to do. And so the only way to fulfill that is with the help of God. And then verse 15. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. You know, it's hard to be patient with people when we don't see them as belonging to God first. It's hard to be patient with people when we don't remember how patient God has been with us. 
I've shared this before that I consider myself a patient person because I have experienced the patience of the Lord. And because he's been patient with me, guess what? I can be patient with you. I might be tough with you, but I'll be patient with you too. Thank you, Mike. When we have God's understanding of who people are, then we can admonish, encourage, help, and be patient with them. And then let me be honest with you about do not repay evil for evil. It's easy to do that. It doesn't even take any faith to be able to do that. As a matter of fact, that's usually the first thought that comes to your mind is how you can repay them. But he's told us not to. Repaying someone evil for evil seems to come, if it's true in your life, like mine, very easily, very natural. I don't even have to think about it. Right? Doesn't take any faith. I don't have to go to my prayer closet and figure out how to be evil. I can just be evil. But to always do good for one another and to everyone takes a lot of faith. And for me, that faith begins with recognizing that people are made in the likeness and image of God and he loves them. And so because he loves them, I'm going to love them. And rather than be evil to them because they've been evil to me, then when I see them through the eyes of God, then guess what? I can begin to do good. I can ignore my first response. I can ignore the flesh rising up within me and having all those thoughts that want to get even with them. I can ignore them when I understand that they're made in the likeness and image of God. And as God has loved me, that's how he expects me to love them. And as God was patient with me, that's how he expects me to be patient with them. And if they need admonishment, encouragement, or a kick in the tail, I can do it because he's done it with me. And so, always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. That takes faith. It takes faith to be patient with others because sometimes it takes faith to remember that they belong to God first. We can look at them, we can see them in the natural, and we can get frustrated with them and everything else, but we have to realize that God has created them, He has placed them on a journey, and it is His responsibility to get them to that place and It's our responsibility to love them along as they walk that path. We will run across people who know God and who don't know God. And who have known Him and who have turned away from Him. And our responsibility is to remember that they are a gift and a joy to Him. And that He loves them more than we can imagine. And when the enemy deceives us and the true identity of who God is, is changed, then our identity is changed as well. But so has the identity of others also. You see, when God has changed and we have changed, then the way we see others has changed as well. Our whole 
view of life and people becomes distorted and twisted. And when God's identity has changed in our lives and we walk in that, we walk in our natural understanding and the fear of God, the reverence of God that is due him has left us as well. You see, that's when we can start treating people evil for evil because we don't have that fear of God in our lives. We, we don't have to be patient with them because we don't have the understanding that they belong to God first and that God loves them, that God has a plan and a purpose for them. Our, our reverence of who God is and, and the fear of us hurting one of his children escapes us when our identity has, when God's identity has changed. When we identify things only after the, after the natural realm and we, are, we no longer are concerned with what God says about our choices and the life that we are living, just like what happened to Adam and Eve after they were deceived, when that happens, we lose our fear of God because we're only seeing things through our natural mind, through our natural understanding. And the same is true for us that when we bite into the lies of the enemy, God's identity changes, our identity changes, other people's identity have changed. We have lost the fear of God and we become free to live a life any way we want. If it involves sin, we'll live it in sin. Because now it's about us and it's about us being in control. I shared last week, we can be more consumed with who in this natural world likes us on Facebook and not even be concerned about whether God is pleased with us or not. When we see people through the natural eyes, we just see people as objects and we look for ways to manipulate them and look to them as stepping stones to get what we want. We have no understanding that they belong to God first. We just view them just in a natural way and it's not good. It's detrimental to them. It's detrimental to us. When we don't see people as belonging to God first, then we use people for our own agenda. We don't care about how they feel. We don't care about the struggles that they're going through or the struggle that we're getting ready to uh, give them. Turn with me to Psalm 111, please. All the enemy did was get them discontent with who God was. Psalm 111. Get them discontent with who God is. When that happened, their identity changed. God's identity changed. Sin entered the world. There is a progression of a lack of the fear of the Lord in their family. And it's not long before Cain kills Abel. Why does it happen? Because there's no fear of God. There's no reverence for who he is. When we don't have a fear of God, guess what else we lose? 
we lose wisdom or we never gain wisdom. Psalm 111 verse 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we want wisdom in our lives, if we want to know how to handle people, how to deal with life, how to deal with everything that comes our way, the best way to do it is to have a fear of God in our lives. And the way that you have the fear of God in your life is to have a right relationship with Him. You understand your relationship with Him is made right through Jesus Christ, that He is God and you aren't. When we have that right understanding, when we have that relationship in its right order, He is God and we aren't, then we begin to walk in wisdom. Now the truth is, is that's just the beginning because we can increase in that wisdom. All right? Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 9, please. Proverbs chapter 9. It's so important for us to keep the fear of God alive and active in our lives. When we view things in the natural realm only, we're going to lose that. We can't sustain that. The fear of God comes when we have a relationship with Him. And it's an ongoing relationship with Him. And it's when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. And then we, we're getting ready to head into trouble. And the Holy Spirit just kind of nudges us and says, hey, that's not a good idea. When we have the fear of God, we agree with the Holy Spirit. When we don't have the fear of God we can easily agree with the Holy Spirit. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Isn't that awesome? So... This is how you know who you're dealing with. You give them some wisdom. And if they spit it back at you, if they don't like it, you know you got a scoffer on your hands. But if you reprove a wise man, he will love you. Verse 9. Give instructions to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. And so Proverbs is comparing those who handle instruction, those who handle. How does this happen? A scoffer does not see God as God. We talked about that before at a Psalms chapter 1. Okay? A scoffer does not see God as God. He sees himself as God. And so when you give him wisdom, he spits it back at you. He doesn't like it. And he hates you. So if you get any hate mail, realize you're dealing with a scoffer. But 
when you give instruction to a wise man, he's going to become wiser. When you teach a righteous man, he's going to increase in learning. Why? Because we want to. We want to learn. We want to know how to become more and more like Christ. We want to have his mindset, his attitude, his thoughts, his character for ours. And in verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And so when we get God out of the right position that he's supposed to be in and his identity has changed and he's no longer God anymore, then the fear of God has been removed from our life and then we are open to do whatever we want to do because we're not fearful of the Lord. A sure sign that we are not walking in the fear of the Lord and in His wisdom is the fact that we are very selective and limited in who we listen to. Hello? We are very limited and selective who speaks into our lives. When we're not walking in the fear of the Lord, we, we turn to those who will tell us what we want to hear and not the truth of God's word. I say this because being pastors and fearing God we, always, we have always surrounded ourselves with people who can speak into our lives, who can challenge us. And they're mature, godly people. And they have the right to question us and ask us the hard questions. Especially since we are pastors. When I first finished Christ for the Nations, I got ordained through a company down in Duncanville, Texas. And they didn't know me when I moved up here. I mean, we lived down there for about a year and a half. But when we moved up here, I, I talked to them and I, I was like, you know, how is this going to work? Because you don't know what I'm preaching. You don't know what I'm saying. You don't know how I'm living. And I mean, it took me a while. And at, during that time, then... Um, Paul and Juanita Tucker came through our church. And then, y'all remember Paul, he, he was like a father figure. And so when he would come through, and we had him through about, at the beginning, about every, about three to four times a year. Okay, here's what I found out about Paul. He would ask my wife how I was. He would ask my wife what I was preaching on. He would take tapes from mine from me to listen to. When our kids got to an age where he could ask them, he asked them, how's mom and dad treating you? Now, I didn't know that he was asking her, but I, he also asked me, how is my life? How is my relationship with my wife? How is my relationship with my children? And thank God I gave him the same answer Diana did. <laughs> and I didn't know that at first. And so as he was doing that, then it just dawned on me 
you know what? I need to go under his leadership, under his ministry, and, and I can let them go. And so we did, and we did as a church as well. We went under their leadership because we're an independent church. But, you know, I don't want to be independent. I want to have people that can. And so now through their organization, we have different people that can speak into our lives that are outside of the church, yet they know what is going on inside of the church. And they come through here. We have our leadership that can speak to us. And I'm saying this because we understand that we're human beings as well, but we want the protection of God. And we fear God enough, and we want to walk in all the wisdom that we can, that we subject ourselves to them on purpose. Because it's easy to get off course. It doesn't take much to get off course. It doesn't even take faith to get off course. But it takes faith, it takes family to be able to stay on course. We want to be accountable to, to one another so that we can be accountable to God because we are, Diane and I, the scripture says, because we're teachers, because we're pastors, we're going to have a, a more stringent examination at the end. And I don't want to fail it. It's easy. It doesn't take faith to hear what you want to hear. But it takes faith to hear the truth of God's word. It takes faith to give yourself to people who will speak that. And it's the reverence of God that we have, that we know that we need to build around us, that keeps us individually and together in a safe place, but it also keeps this church in a safe place as well. Because of what flows from us is flowing down to you. And we're getting ready to receive communion this morning. And I, I want us to make it, receive it with this commitment that our lives will be governed by the fear of God in our lives. That we will give ourselves to people who can speak into us, who can challenge us, who can encourage us when we need it, who will help us when we're weak. We need to have godly, biblical wisdom to walk in. And as we take communion, we're saying, God, we're recognizing who you are. You are God in our lives. Your identity hasn't changed. And our identity is that we're in Christ. When we receive communion, I want us to receive it understanding that we know who God is and we know we're not God. Yes. And we're going to walk according to his ways. John Crouch, you're looking good, so why don't you come and help serve? Scott, you want to come up too? I love this couple, though, because all the stuff that they've been through in their first responders. Go ahead and start playing the song. <laughs> 